Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Both of them sketchy and sometimes slow. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Larson unable to hold. Parisi has Grandin with him. Parisi sails in for Minnesota. Scores! Unbelievable stretch for Zach Parisi. Congratulations to the Wild on yet another playoff berth. Or, in other words, congratulations to the Wild on another season that will end in a brief and fruitless playoff exit. It's truly an amazing feat to have a team fail so unceremoniously as they have in the playoffs. Two series wins in the last five years and I can't wait to see what this year will bring. Can you hear the sarcasm yet? But seriously, it is pretty amazing to see this group do something six years in a row that over half of the league gets to do every year. They should all feel really happy about being just good enough to be not at all good enough for the cup. Judbot 3000. Uh, this does not reflect, let's make this very clear, that does not reflect the views of the real Judd. Oh, it doesn't at all, huh? No, I came in here today and said, I expect a first round win. No reason why you can't beat the Winnipeg Jets. I see what's happening. You're setting them up for I would never do not that. meeting the I expectations never, so that you can crush them in like three weeks. It would never be a strategic radio thought to set a team up for potential failure so that I could come back and crush them. This is like when Pat wrote the article saying they should win the Stanley Cup last year, right? And then they got beat in the first round in five games. Pat probably believed so he can it. So he can lay the hammer down. Yeah, it's like it's like Pat said but before the... Uh, Vikings game. There's not they're, they're better than the Eagles. They're gonna crush the Eagles. <laughs> Melandaria, they're gonna kill the Eagles. <laughs> Pat was just being sincere. Uh six five one six four six eight two five five. Is this the year where they finally get a couple things to go their way and let's say make it to the Western Conference Finals? I know Suter's out, so that's it's a buzzkill, but hockey's hockey and you might not need all your players to win a couple rounds. The Jets are gonna be a tough matchup if that happens, but Let's go to a Wild Anonymous. You're on the show, Wild Anonymous. Hey there. Hey, what's up? Hey, um, yeah, I was looking at the uh, season statistics, and I saw, I was looking at Suter's numbers. He, I didn't realize that he's actually minus on the plus minus. Mm-hmm. Huh. He plays against some tough players sometimes. Huh. Well, I'm just saying that maybe, huh. maybe he won't be missed as much as people are saying. Mm. Um, this Susie guy, he's more of a defensive defenseman, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I'd say he qualifies as that. So I think, what, what, from what I see, maybe we're going to have a little less goal production, mm-hmm. but maybe maybe on the defensive side, there won't be much of a loss there. You know what I mean? Hmm. Uh, I know what you're saying. I, I 
I mean, I'm not the world's biggest Suter fan, but I still think his uh, his loss will definitely hurt you. But Spurgeon coming back should help out a little bit. Thus, that's why you can potentially win the first round. Well, I get it. Am I still on? Yeah, you're still on. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're still on there. Okay, got one 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 more thing to throw in there. I think too. You know, if you ever watch Suter on the power play, guy rarely shoots the puck. He's always dishing it. If I'm a coach of another team, I'd say don't even get in the shot lane on Suter. He ain't shooting. He's going to dish it. So having now somebody else back there kind of throws these other teams off because they're used to seeing Suter, not to, you know, it's dumb as so much or whoever else is going to quarterback the power play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's, I think if I was the coach, I'd tell Suter, shoot the puck more because he, he's just too, uh, he never shoots. Okay. Thanks for the call. I, Sounds like he's very optimistic about the Wilds' chances. Just take Suter out in your phone. Oh, you have no idea what to do with that call. He's very <laughs> he's optimistic. Like so well, no, he's just, I don't think the loss of Suter is going to help him that much. But. He is a little passive on the power play. I agree with that. Well, yeah, I mean, he probably could shoot more. He could put something on the net. I'll get a greasy goal once in a while. Dude has one power play goal this season. <laughs> just that the Susie kid. You're out there enough once the you Susie, pull the trigger. The Susie kid played in his first game last night. And they pay, uh, and they played a team that has one foot in the ocean and a foot on the golf course. Boots said he was really good. Yeah, Boots was very excited about that. I think Suter's a pansy. Favre would have played. Ooh. One game for Susie. I thought hockey players were tough. Can't you tape that thing up with a board? It's a broken ankle. Yeah, you know, broken ankle. How are you going to play on a broken ankle? You got another one. <laughs> Skates are very supportive. Brandon, you're on the show. Hi, Brandon. I I I had a really great thing I wanted to say. Then I heard about Ryan Suter and what that guy had to say, and I had to laugh a little bit there. That was oh boy. Um, <laughs> the better off. Not all fans are created equally. It's a lot of mental, um, a lot of mental gymnastics needed to say that the Wild well, are better without yeah. Ryan Suter. But he came through, did it? Well, and the thing is, is you know Ryan Suter shoots a lot of wrist shots from the point. I'm not sure where that analysis comes from, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> I, I I think that. For a lot of years, the Wild have invested a ton of money into their own talent, and we've seen, you know, I think it was two, we said two playoff series wins in five years, and now you've got, this, you know, I got like Eric Stahl with 40 goals, Zucker over 30 goals. It, there are external factors mixed with their own guys, but what it all comes down to is how well Devin Dubnik plays in the playoffs and whether or not you believe he can win them a series because you play the team like the Jets, you're going to have to rely on Dubnik. Hockey, unlike any other sport, in my opinion, is more about matchups than the playoffs. Last year, the Wild did not match up well with the Blues, and it showed every single game. And the Winnipeg Jets, I don't think they match up very well with them. But if you can beat a team by having your star goalie show up and win you the series. So to me, I don't think Devin Dubnik can win you the series. I don't think he's been consistent enough in the playoffs. Even when the defense, including Ryan Suter, has been very good around him, he's let in some very soft goals, and it almost seems like he lacks a certain level of focus. You can't win a game and you're down 2 nothing in, in the first period three times in a series. It's, I just don't think that uh, it's not necessarily a knock on Devin Duty, you know, maybe. I think he's a no, good goalie is. and his team is well around him, but it's when a you knock. talk about the playoffs, he, he, I don't think he's going to be able to bring it. Do you know what has to be be eliminated completely? The fluky Dubnik goal. Yeah. That's what drives me crazy. The fluky goal where, and, and you can tell the scouting reports say, go to the boards, go to the wings, and fling the puck on goal. 
And those are the goals he can't give up. Thanks, Brandon. Because he can make the tough save. He's made the tough save. So if you eliminate the fluky Dubnik goal, he's right. You're going to give yourself a chance. Okay, but here's okay. So, but Devin Dubnik was not the problem in last year's playoff series. Everyone thinks that because Jake Mm. Allen stopped every shot for five games, save for like five of them, that that must be Devin Dubnik's fault because he didn't play as well as Jake Allen. He's not saying that, though. The the caller's point is is if your team doesn't match up great against the Blues or Jets, your goaltender at times is going to have to win you games. So he's not... He's not saying that it was Dubnik's fault. He's saying is that if you're going to win this first-round series against the Jets, Dubnik's going to have to be outstanding. And my point is, if you eliminate that fluky goal or two that seemed to go in, you're going to give yourself a chance. And see, I, I look at him last year and say, if he does exactly what he did in only five games, I get it, last year, hmm? it, and it that's all you can ask. He allowed fewer than two goals per game if you account for the overtime periods, you know, stretching out the... Um, he, his goals against average is one point eight six. Yeah, no, it's good. He pitched a shutout in one of the five games. You would absolutely take that going into any playoff series yeah. and say, you know what? If that's not good enough, it ain't his fault. I'm going to blame the goal scorers. I'm going to blame you know the lack of cashing in on second chances. And that's where you have to get to, to the net. That's right. But he's saying, I think what what the caller is saying is Dubnik, not necessarily in the first round playoff series last year, but there have been times. Where those goals that you scratch your head and say that can't go in, those can't happen. And if they don't happen, and you get to the net, and you, you've got guys that can get rebounds on occasion, you're going to give yourself an opportunity to win because you match up against the Jets much like you did the Blues. So now the question becomes, how do you change that? Yeah, it's also like it's just a hard thing. Like Jonathan Quick, I just wanted to pull him up real quick here. So real quick here, that's a that's a I pun right there. You're, I get yeah. where you're going. So Jonathan Quick is rightfully so regarded as in in the the Kings runs one of the great postseason goalies at right times, of, yeah. of the last fifteen or twenty years. But then he's had other seasons. So here's his postseason. I'm just going to go goals. Let's go goals against average. There's other ways you can quantify it, but let's just keep it mainstream sure. here. All right. Yep. Um. 2010-11, this was only a, a one-game series. They lost in six games. It was well over three. Comes back the next year, 1.41, and they win the Stanley Cup championship, only losing four games the entire postseason. The next year after that, 1.86, all right? Well, then they won a Stanley Cup in 2013-14. He was giving up 2.6 goals per game in that, in that too. Um, so I think the narratives tend to carry over in hockey more often than they should. If Devin Dubnik gives you the same performance he did last year, that's actually good enough to win a Stanley Cup if he does it against every series. The Bruce. No, no, no. If he gives you 1.86, yes, yeah, yeah. that's, good, no that's good enough to win a Stanley Cup. And then your your job is you have to get to the net. You have to. Sure. And if you don't, and it's one shot save, it's kicked out, you're done. Uh, we're going to get to Armin Katayan when we come back here. He is one of the co-authors of the new Tiger Woods biography. They interviewed 250 different people from Tiger Woods' life relationship partners, business partners, 250 people with stories and uh, a behind-the-curtain look at one of the legendary sports figures in the world in our lifetimes. And we're going to go behind that curtain with Armin Contain when we come back. Mackie and Judd now continue. The sooner the better. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackie and Judd, we thank you for listening. The new book is called Tiger Woods, which includes years and years of reporting and interviews with more than 250 people 
from every corner of Tiger Woods' life, many of whom have never spoken on the record about Tiger Woods before. And this book was co-authored by Armin Katayan, who we're happy to have on the show today. Armin, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're, we're like I'm Tiger Woods is the reason why I started golfing. I'm a, I'm I was born in the mid '80s, and so I'm fascinated. I've read other Tiger Woods books before. What are you most proud of with this book, and how how much different is this book than other exposés or, or biographies that have been written before? Well, I'm really proud of it because I've literally devoted three years of my life to it, as, yeah. did, as did Jeff. And, and we really try to to write a biography that hasn't been written um, about Tiger, which would mean the full arc of his life. There have been s- some very good books written um, about certain segments of his life after he turned pro in, you know, in 96 and 97, early spring, there were a spate of books that came out. And then obviously after the uh, the crash in 09 and in 2010, there was another a group of books that came out that, uh, you know, the epic fall from grace kind of story. But there's never really been an immersive 360-degree view of his life by people that aren't golf writers, um, per se. And Jeff and I are uh, known as investigative journalists. I just like to say that we're just really damn good reporters. <laughs> and we, we really... Um, you know, we spent a tremendous amount of time reading everything that had been written and then and, and really watching virtually every major press conference he ever gave, trying to understand his his mindset and then then doing the reporting and let the reporting take us where it did, which is this Shakespearean story of a of a child star who was programmed for greatness, um, changed the changes the game of golf. Uh, but at what price? You know, what price genius? And that's that was one thing that drove us, and the other thing that drove us was, uh, you know, a real um, fascination with with who is Tiger Woods, and that has been something that has been carefully constructed and heavily protected by Team Tiger since uh, Tiger turned pro. So, what what was your perception of him going into this book, and how much did that change as you did talk to, to folks and went back and watched his press conferences, Armin? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, my perception was, I, you know, I watch a lot of golf. I play golf. I'm, I'm, you know, I was fascinated by the 97 Masters and, the, you know, when he won by 12, the first offer of African-American heritage, you know, to win that event. And then just the, you know, the, the rock star performance at, at Pebble Beach in 2000 when he wins by 15. You know, I, that that was, I saw what everyone else saw. I saw as I said, I saw a golfing genius, but um, as you do what we did, we we had mixed emotions. I mean, you, there's a certain amount of sadness as um, you begin to understand the enormous influence that, that Earl, his father, and Kokita, his mother, had in, in shaping Tiger's uh, early years. And then there's a certain amount of anger <clears throat> that comes into your mind as he's grappling and really struggling in many ways with extreme fame and fortune and and treating people as he had been raised to do that he was special and that they were on the earth to to do whatever they could for him but lacking in in really some of the most simple social graces in terms of thank yous and and pleases and things like that and then um another set of sadness that comes in uh, an awe i guess during the fantastic run and then a certain sadness that comes in after the crash, and then just this perplexion as to what's going to happen to him as he's struggling with 
painkilling drugs and, and debilitating back pain. And now um, a real – Jeff and I both felt very empathetic towards Tiger by the end of the book, and it, it's, it's nice to, to, to write. I, and I wrote the large sections of the last chapter, particularly the ending, and it was it was really nice to write something with an upbeat tone to it. As I saw him at Tory and at the Farmers Insurance Open, and how much more engaged and human and interactive he was with the fans, um, but still captivating as hell as you're as you're watching them. He, he just you know somebody said you know he moves he he doesn't move the needle he is the needle yeah. in professional golf, and that's just still so true. So, Armin, your use of the word empathetic, I think, is interesting because I, mean, I think if people just looked at the Tiger Woods story and the infidelities and and different, it, it would be easy to make up your mind at some point the last 10 years and come up with a different word that isn't empathetic, something that might be more negative. And so yeah. in your in your digging and and in your reporting on this over the years, what are, what are some things you know to be true about about Tiger's personality or Tiger's life behind the scenes that that make you use the word empathetic in that, in that spot? Well, for, for the first part of it is, you know, I mean, how many young children, I mean, he, he made his first appearance on television, uh, not on the Mike Douglas show, which a lot of people believe to be the first one, but uh, Jim Hill's, you know, broadcast in Los Angeles, still one of the most prominent sports broadcasters in the country at the age of, you know, just after he turned to. So he's, what children ha- make that decision on their behalf? No, the, this was a parental, very um, uh, pre-programmed decision by Earl to call Jim Hill and say, I've got a two-year-old down here. you got to come see. So that begins it. Then the Mike Douglas show. Then that's incredible at the age of five. I mean, he's a kindergartner in his first day of school, and he's one of the most famous child stars in the country. Nobody knows it. Um, but he's very shy and he's very awkward and he's, he stutters and he, he, all he asks is, is, you know, please, um, ask my parents if I can go and, you know, play in the playground after school with, and play soccer. And, and Earl just lays the law down and says, no, that's not what he's going to do. He's going to practice golf after, after school. So he goes home, does his homework, and then his mother drives him to the golf course. And that, that goes on for years and years. And, and is that the source of his genius in some ways, but is it, is it cruel and is it um, just hard to, hard to read at times? Um, yeah, it's all of that. And then, um, you know, we don't judge. It's just like when you, a lot of people talk about, oh, he's famous. He wasn't famous. He was the most famous athlete on the planet for about 10 years. And, you know, you can say what you want about extreme fame and fortune, but when you have everything and anything at your beck and call, and that means, you know, sponsors willing to pay and women willing to sleep with you and, and uh, going to Vegas and, and having VIP hosts that will do all you have to do is ask and you'll get anything you want. That's a world that changed to Tiger and it didn't change him for the better. Uh, for the longest period of time, he was a really uh, very private person, very disdainful of, of the media untrusting of others thought everybody was out to get him, and then you know you move into this incredible uh dissolution of his marriage and the divorce to a woman that you know loved him to death but tiger you know he's out sleeping around with pancake waitresses and escorts and everything else and not because i think as you get to understand in our book 
sex addiction has little or nothing to do with the sex. It's like gambling or drugs or alcohol. It's a form of pain relief, and that's what Tiger was seeking. And that pain relief is directly related to the to the family dynamic and what was going on inside a 1,400-square-foot house on Teakwood Street in Cypress, California for you know, years and years and years. What, uh, to, to this day still, makes people so drawn to him, do, do you think? Because we've seen famous players, athletes, who come and go, and that's it. What continues to draw people back to where, if he plays now, it's like it's 1999 again, Armin? He just hits shots nobody else can hit. I mean, he is, his creative genius. Um, you know, there have been power players, John Daly, certainly everybody wanted to watch. Jack Nicholas, who was who had a probably the closest closing mindset to any golfer uh, next to Tiger. Um, I mean, there are shots, there are two scenes real quickly. In 2000, when he's at the peak of his powers, one of them is at Firestone, and it's basically dark, and he's 160-some yards away, and literally they're lighting the green with, with lighters, you know, people like it's a rock concert. He can't even see the lie. He's got to get down on his hands and knees to see the lie. He hits a ball two feet from the pin. You know, <laughs> who does that? Nobody. And then a week later, he's at Glen Abbey up in the Canadian Open on the 18th hole. He's 213 yards away, trees right, 200 yards of water in front of him. He's in a sand trap. And he hits a six iron two feet past the pin. I mean, this, these are the kinds of things that, that nobody – um, in the right mind has ever done before and he didn't do it once he did it hundreds of times making putts he had no business making whether it was at the PGA against Bob May or the last final putt against Rocco Mediate in 08 at Torrey Pines when he's um, you know he wins the U.S. Open his final major he just does things that no one has ever done and that's you know how can you not how can you not watch something like that how can you not be captivated by something like that yeah yeah, the book is it's called Tiger Woods, and you can find it anywhere uh, where where books are sold. And it includes years of reporting, interviews, two hundred fifty plus people from every corner of Tiger Woods' life. And uh, Armin Katayan's been our guest; he's one of the co-authors of the book. Looking forward to diving into the whole thing. Thank you for your uh, your time here today, Armin. Guys, Great stuff, you. man. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. All right, Thanks a lot. Armin Katayan investigative sports journalist. He is right. He is a great r- reporter. You do not. He is. Uh, he is a guy that you. If he kn- knocks at your door, you know you're in some trouble. Is he? Has he ever gone outside of? Because I just remember him as a as a sports oh, well, journalist. Outside of right? sports, yes. Okay. Yeah, he's very very good. He's gone into sports entertainment. He's oh, a guy. Really? Vince was uh, pretty That's much right. ready to kick his ass. Yes. What was the? What was That's the occasion? Right. What was it? Was it real sports? Maybe. I think because he was. he did a bunch of real sports stuff, but he yeah. may. He he makes people mad, and guess what? He doesn't care. No, well, that's part and of the good for him. The fallout of this book, Tiger Woods. People have put out a lot of memos saying this is incorrect, that's incorrect, and I mean, basically, Armikatayan and the and his co-author have said, well, okay, not everything's going to be one hundred percent accurate because Tiger Woods isn't the one who is. I mean, t- Tiger Woods, it's not an autobiography; it's a biography. Correct. So there might be different perceptions from the two hundred fifty people that have. Right. Speaking about Tiger Woods right. and what Tiger Woods thinks about something, but all in all, if it's a positive, upbeat finish to the book, that's probably more than the Tiger Woods camp can. <laughs> I think. Can I hope think for. the issue, if if you're the Woods family, is not the reflection on Tiger now; it's the reflection on Earl. 
I think Earl is a thoroughly unlikable human being. Well, there was there was a there is a nugget in the book that Tiger's longtime sports agency, IMG International Management Group, made fifty thousand dollar annual payments to Tiger's father, Earl Woods, as a quote talent scout years before Tiger was their client. Imagine that, and, and it's funny how that's acceptable. In and maybe if that was happening. Obviously, if he was going to Stanford, Stanford, right? That would be in violation, yes. So they they looked at him as a five, six, seven, ten year old, whatever he was, and said, Okay, we're gonna want we're gonna want that guy as part of our agency. He's on TV at like three. Yeah. Mike Douglas at five, as Armin said. Yeah. Did we figure out what Armin Katane ripped open with the WWE? Yeah, I I forgot. McMahon got angry in a lot of interviews. I forgot the one he almost wanted to beat up Costas. (laughs) Oh yeah. Katane was about it looks like about how kids were imitating what wrestlers were doing, Stone Cold, you know, Triple H and maybe getting hurt. So, you know, is the you know, possibility that perhaps the things you're peddling are hurting kids and Vince uh, didn't take kindly to that. Oh, I'm sure he did not. Yeah, kids imitating the moves in the backyard. And did he attempt to get Armin Katayan to join the Kiss My Ass Club? I don't know that he did that. Judd, you know what the Kiss My Ass Club is? No, I don't. Where Vince McMahon goes on national TV and pulls down his pants and makes his employees short, short sport. Up. No, my sports hockey. That's never happened wrestling. to you down the hallway here. Brad's never. No. <laughs> Uh, oh, do we have that list of Target Field foods? Let's get to that next. Brand new foods at Target Field. Dave was uh, lamenting the fact that they're catering too much to vegan millennials, it sounds like. I think we're going young, and I don't like it. All right, we'll get to that <laughs> when we come back. Let's talk about this bright, shiny 55-inch TCL TV that's sitting in our studio right now, the TCL Broadcast Studios, which, speaking of Vince McMahon, we do have access to WWE Network, so if you guys want to come over, we can just watch uh, WrestleMania in studio here if you guys want to. No? Okay. It's okay. I'll just watch it by myself. And I'll watch it with uh, the built-in Roku device that gives you access to 4,000-plus streaming channels and 450,000-plus movies and TV show episodes. You know, TCL, you can see all across the country. You can see all across the world. In fact, uh, the world-famous TCL Chinese Theater in Hollywood, California is uh, is branded properly. The Chinese Theater's been a staple in Hollywood in the entertainment industry, hosting major movie premieres. And TCL is the official sponsor. It's also the official TV smart sponsor of the Ellen DeGeneres show. So pretty much Ellen, Mackie, and Judd, we're on the same level. All of us are in cahoots with TCL to bring you the best picture quality in the world. There's a reason why TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. TCLUSA.com and any major local retailer here in the Twin Cities. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Yeah, screw those guys. I don't even like them. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Drive to left field, deep to the corner. Dickerson in the corner, and that ball is gone. A home run for Brian Dozier, just inside the foul pole. Now, 325 down that left field line is just a matter of Dickerson could get to it, but too far out of his reach. So Dozier hitting his third home run, and Twins are on the board. I I didn't know it was 325 down the line until I heard that. Well, not only that, he couldn't quite get to it because it was over the wall. Couldn't quite get to it. Dozier, three home runs. Our RBI, Bert, you didn't give us that. How about that? How about career home run? I'd like a little more information here, Bert. Career at-bats, career plate appearances. We do have an American League Central game going on right now. The Royals and the Tigers playing a day game in Detroit today. There's about 12 fans in the stands, and they're all bundled up in raincoats and stocking caps. But you know what the Tigers are doing today, don't you? Tanking? No, they're battling their tails off. Oh. Well, 
I, don't I know watched Miggy Cabrera chase after a little blue over <laughs> okay. his head. You know he what? wasn't exactly battling right. anybody's no. tail off. I mean, there You're are right. five people in the audience right now. <laughs> but, I'll get there when I get there, boys. Just hold your horses. <laughs> uh, Judd's been calculating during the break here, just trying to f- Mr. Fix It here, a bonus Mr. Fix It segment. Some of the adjustments Major League Baseball could make right now, first week of April, cold weather cities. We got snow on the ground here in the Twin it's Cities. It's not too bad. It's not as bad as I thought. Okay. Because you've got, so Detroit's cold. Yankees will open against Tampa Bay because they got snowed out yesterday in New York today. But then you got Toronto, which is domed at home. Houston's at home. Oakland's at home. Angels are at home. Uh, Let's see, what else? Uh, Braves, Brewers who have a dome, Arizona, Padres, San Francisco, Miami. It's, that's not too bad. I can't complain too much about that. Like I'm fine with this. That's, You've got Detroit and Kansas City playing the same division 19 times, so if you need to make up a game, it's pretty easy to make up a game later in the season. Yes. That was my point. Why twins are the and Mariners Why are the Twins point. why are the Twins playing early April home games against teams that aren't coming back? Dude, it's incredible. Is it I'm, we have the blinds closed. I'm assuming it's still blizzarding outside. I mean, it's oh, still supposed to snow I'll pull all day. It up. Yeah, it doesn't look good. It's just like we're going to we're going to sit here in below freezing temperatures and play baseball. I still would not trade the outdoor stadium. Yep, that looks terrible. Okay, we can shut the blinds again. Despite how terrible it's going to be for the next couple home stands, probably, until you get to like mid to late April, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for Miller Park. Wouldn't oh, trade it no, for a retractable. No, 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 no. We'll no. gladly take place, the yes. May, June, July, August, September. And yeah. even like it's, it's crisp in October, but it's not usually snowing in early October. Yep. And I want a ball. Not trade it. And I want a ballpark. So I do not want Miller Park looks like an airport hangar. And I know inside it's fine, but I want a ballpark. No, no. This is I spent I spent the ages of twelve to forty essentially going inside to watch baseball. I'll take the cold. I'll take the snow. I don't care. And And it's not fine. It's not fine inside Miller Park either. Some people like it. it. No, it's bad outside and inside. It's Outside, I think it's an eyesore. Well, here's well, what it's it is. wretched. I had an argument with our oh, promotions coordinator, Elizabeth Fenske. We were at an event uh, watching college basketball on Saturday big for a Dos Equis. Yeah. And she said she would take Miller Park, yeah, big Brewers fan, Miller Park over Target Field. And I said, Really? Instead of me berating you right now and getting in trouble with HR, <laughs> explain to me why, what advantage does Miller Park have over Target Field? She said, tail, Instant said tailgating. And I said, you're right, like, obviously you don't really, there's nowhere to tailgate outside Target Field. I mean, you go to bars outside. You tailgate at Kieran's. Yeah. You, but if you're that you obsessed have, yeah. with tailgating, yeah. I guess if you if you ranked it number one on your list, then you would prefer Miller Park. But that's the only thing. That's the only, I would even say their bratwurst is just as good at Target Field. Like, the only thing that you could say Miller Park is better at is tailgating. The Brewers could have built downtown. And they didn't because people in that state are obsessed with driving to a parking lot and getting drunk. Correct. Now, what I yes. don't get about that is... Play if, some bags, if, wear some cargo shorts, if you wanna, and a Ryan Brown jersey, but, and some flip-flops, and get wasted. I brought this up a couple of weeks ago. What I don't get about this whole thing is, okay, if I want to go to Target Field and have seven beers, I Uber there and home. I don't get the tailgating thing in an era where we're rightfully so concerned about driving drunk. Well, it's a lot cheaper to tailgate than it is I know, to go get but my 12 point is, beers in you at Target But my point Field. is, like, who's the guy that's like, oh, I'd love to drive to today's Brewers game and wait while you all get uh, drunk in the parking lot, and then I'm going to drive well, you home. I think, I mean, I'll, I, I'm not a big tailgate guy, so I'm, I'm on your side with this, but I don't think 
you're giving credit to like a designated driver being in the group too. You're just assuming that everyone's going to get bombed and someone's going to get behind the wheel. If it's Wisconsin. Phil. If there's eight people, someone might two football seasons keep it there. to two beers. I spent two seasons there, and I'll tell you right now, <laughs> well, I didn't see a lot of people volunteering to drive. Well, if that's the stop sign, obviously they're blowing right through it. Exactly. So it's not an issue for them. <laughs> no, it's, they think no about. it's not. Uh, so speaking of foods and uh, drinks, do we have Dave? You have a list of the Target Field foods, or should we pull one up here? Oh, I've got the the big email that was sent out on all right i mean from uh from the twins themselves about all the minnesota twins delaware north sports service announcements coming to all the food uh food vendors near you are they really charging 30 dollars for one of those bloody marys with a slider on top of it did i see that correctly oh i didn't see 30 dollars for a bloody mary I'm looking at the press release right here. I don't see prices unless well, I missed I, a page. I doubt here. if they're going to tout. So I, they're, no, they're not gonna, I didn't see that. They're not going to tout a $30 Bloody Mary in the press release. That's well, something so, you have to find so out much, the hard way when so you get It's so much, it's impressive. Anyway. That is ridiculous. Where do you get the $30 Bloody Mary? Herbex? Oh, that's, that was my guess because they've I done like her, think, three different Bloody Marys. Like they keep doing a new one every year a piece of pizza on top and like a whole foot long hot uh, dog. They just shove in the glass. Yeah. And, Someone sent us a, a tweet to the 15 Hardy ESPN account earlier. It was a photo of the Bloody Marys on the table when they were showing yeah. yesterday. So that's $640 worth of Bloody Marys just sitting on the bar oh, right now. Okay. Yeah, okay. All go right, ahead. let's go through it here. First of all, you've got several Target Field favorites will be expanding their offerings in 2018. You've got the Hot Indian Foods little booth. Yeah. They will be now offering tofu vindaloo, a spicy vegan stew stirred over coconut and garlic rice. So I'm in on that. I know I'm in the minority in this room, but I'm definitely in on the Indian food. I have eaten at the, uh, the hot Indian food at the ballpark a few times. The the Whatever chicken dish they have, like a chicken tikka or something like yeah. that. Pretty good. It's very good. It's out, actually outstanding. And I showed up once with um, my my brother had brought his in-laws to the game. Uh, they're from uh, Iowa, small town Iowa. They're probably very confused. Meat and potatoes. Yep, for Meat sure. Meat and potatoes. You go to the ballpark and, and hot dog and, and you know what you cracker eat. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I brought it back to the uh, brought it back to the seat and sat right next to him. And I got literally out of his uh, out of his father-in-law's mouth. Hey, uh, Dave, what do you what do you got? There? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's oh, a chicken thing. You got some rice underneath, a little coleslaw kind of deal on top. I'm more of a hot dog guy myself. <laughs> it was beautiful. Uh, Andrew Zimmerd's Canteen offering the rice bowl version of the popular Mediterranean skewers. Varieties include choice of chicken or braised boneless beef short ribs served over jasmine rice with roasted eggplant spread, herbed yogurt sauce, oh, tomato, wow. cucumber, and crispy this, paprika chickpeas. This sounds really I love eggplant. Oh, are you serious? Oh, oh I love find, eggplant. Oh, I find eggplant. Are you being just, facetious right no, now? No, you being no I love eggplant. No, I'm not being... What makes you love eggplant but not be able to identify other vegetables in the lineup? I don't know. I just like the taste. I would order that in a second. Oh, that sounds good. Okay, let's... Just to test Judd, I'm going to pull up... I'll do this while we go through the food. I'm going to pull up... Show me an eggplant. I'm right. I'm on it. I love it. I'm going to do the food lineup game with Judd here and see if he can pick out eggplant. I'm not kidding. Can you make one an actual chicken's egg? (laughs) This I'm not joking, you guys... This I feels like this. what's the movie where Steve Carell is like making up? Oh, the forty-year-old virgin. No, where he's no, like, no, oh yeah, not- <laughs> I love sex. Yeah, no, and they're like, nope. dude, you're a virgin, right? Nope. Judd's like, I love vegetables, I, eggplants. I have a, yes, I have a veteran palate, and I'll tell you right now, I love eggplant. All right, here's all that's going on now. Of course, we've got drafts at thirty-four. That's a nice little precious name for the new beer spot to get your. And this is where 
You, you walk right in the gate Inside there and it's gate be right? 34. Okay. That's why it's drafts at okay. 34. That'll feature the Glenn Perkins slash Surly Beer, the cut-down mm. IPA. But let's go to Bat and Barrel, the former Metropolitan Club. Oh, we've revamped everything. Three food-specific opportunities. An entree section with offerings from Murray's, the blue cheese-crusted bacon-wrapped tenderloin, red rabbit, chicken parmesan, and Baja House pan-seared barramundi. Yeah. You know what? I'm kind of realizing you could just be saying food for all of these, and I would just be in on everything. Appetizer, small plate area. Uh, Crave is offering the burger sliders, Baja House, tuna poke, Hell's Kitchen, the Impossible Burger. Tuna poke. Poke, yeah, yeah. You can have it. Hell's Kitchen what? Impossible Burger. Okay. Ike's Tavern Burger, Red Cow, Tennessee Hot Chicken, or Minnesota Nice Chicken. The Red Cow, Tennessee... A spicy chicken sandwich. Unbelievable. It's a great addition to Target Field. And the quick serve counter, uh, you've got the hot Indian foods, hot Indian fritas, Baja House classic kvetche, Kamarchik's broth, and red cow ba- uh, brisket poutine, uh, and also a selection of locally cured meats, cheeses, and fruit. Wow. This all sounds very, very delicious to me. Here's what I want to know, though. Perk's beer is what? It's the Surly Cutdown IPA. Correct. I'd like to know more. In fact, I'd like to try one. You could go to drafts at 34 and they'll be I will readily do, available. I will do that. I'd like to try one. I would like to give that a shot. Contributing to this segment. Well, here's what I'm curious about. <laughs> Perks beer, alcohol content. This is this is the most important thing, even for a veteran beer connoisseur like myself. I want to know alcohol content. Because the worst thing is when when you get like a 8.2, and you don't know it, and you're like, this is pretty good. And then you have two of them, and you're like, now I'm drunk. I like to know that going in. It's the most important thing. Knowing Perk as I do, I say that pretending that we're good friends, even though we're really not. You're acquaintances. Yeah, you acquaintances know is I know about yeah. as good as it goes. That's fair. I have a feeling we ratcheted up as much as we possibly could. I think you're right. I'm going to go, just as a guess, I'm going 8.5. 8.5, that's a good number. That's a really I'm good number. 8.5. I like that. I don't see Perk being a six guy for sure, seven maybe, but I I bet I bet it's good. I bet it's an eight point five. Uh, is, I, I was looking up photos of vegetables. You're talking about alcohol volume, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in not. Perk's I mean, beer. Perk's sitting in a. He's doing woodwork in a barn. Yeah, he doesn't mess around. You can afford to have a higher alcohol percentage volume if you're just hanging out at home. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, and we're gonna play a game here with Judd called "Is This Eggplant or Not?" All right, it's a photo game, and I love eggplant. All right. Actually, or should we, I have two photos. Should we just have Judd pick out the one that's eggplant? Sure, let's right. do that. All right, so this is photo number one. Okay. And this is photo number two. It's two. You sure? Yeah, twos. Eggplant. Yeah. I, I told you I love eggplant. He was definite. It's yeah. amazing. So I grew you, up... you couldn't pick out kale, arugula. Well, because they are. What they, was the other one? Because they few weeks are ago? nondescript. Oh, you didn't know what a cabbage in there. Or something. Okay, but yeah. you know what they are? Those are nondescript players. Well, you loved kale. Though, yeah, but ca- big fan of kale. I don't mind it, but it's a it's a fourth line wing. I can replace it easily. Eggplant is a is first line center. That you didn't know what a bell pepper was or what a jalapeno looked like a couple weeks ago, but you know what right. eggplant looks like because. I save my brain power for things I care about. Eggplant, <laughs> avocado, things like that I can tell you in a second. Oh, that's amazing. You know, I save my brain power for things I care about, too. And I care about the Chris Lindahl team, and I care about you, the audience member, making more money on the sale of your home. In fact, there's a good way to make upwards of $60,000 more on the sale of your home. 
by just going to a one hour, maybe one hour and 15 minute Chris Lindahl workshop. The seller workshops, as they're called, are happening April 16th through the 18th, and seating is very limited. So they're going to sell out fast. Make sure you go to sellerworkshop.com or call 763-401-SOLD as soon as you can. Uh, if, if, if you want to make a lot of money on the sale of your home, don't feel like you have to sit and do your own research. and go. The Chris Lindahl team, we're talking the number one REMAX results team in America they are marketing experts. They are experts at creating a competitive environment for the sale of your home. So if you go to one of their workshops, you can get the gist of what they do on a daily basis, and it'll help you make between thirty dollars and $60,000 on the sale of your home. 763-401-SOLD and SellerWorkshop.com. Mackie and Judd now continue. You're trained for this. You're ready for this. On 1500 ESPN. Sign up and test your golf knowledge. It's 1500 ESPN's Majors Fantasy Golf Challenge. Ahead of the four majors, <clears throat> one starts Thursday, and the Players' Championship. So five opportunities to select your pro dream team after each tournament. A winner will be crowned. First up, it is, of course, the Masters. The winner of this round will receive a two-night golf trip for four to Cragen's Resort. You make your picks before 6.55 a.m. Thursday. So uh, not, not that long, less than two days to go to be entered. Head to 1500ESPN.com, 1500ESPN.com to sign up today. Yeah, this is uh, that's a fun little little trip there Craigans and highly highly recommended go sign up get your chance to win by the way updated masters odds courtesy of Bovada just came into our inboxes a little while ago let me play the proper music so we can <clears throat> the Jim Nance tune to it the Jim Nance theme shh John oh I'm sorry speaking hush tones I, I'm sorry Azaleas yes. Butler Cabin Jordan Spieth is now the odds-on favorite to win the Masters. Guys named Hootie. Jordan Spieth? Really? Jordan Spieth. He bounced back at the Houston Open. I don't think he won it. Ian Poulter was the winner of that tournament. But Jordan Spieth always plays fairly well at the Masters. The Masters. The Masters. That was really loud. Uh, Rory McIlroy at 10-1. to 1. Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas both at 11-1 to 1 with... Tiger Woods and Justin Rose at 14 to 1 each to win the Masters. Where's Bubba? Bubba Watson just behind Tiger Woods at 16 to 1, followed by Jason Day, That's Phil Mickelson, well. Paul Casey, Ricky Fowler, John Rahm, and Sergio Garcia is 22 to 1 to win the Masters. On CBS. Sergio getting a bit of a raw deal here? Seven shouty shoulders. You guys see that family guy bit? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen it several times. Um, let's see here. These players look even more miserable now. Uh, Leonis Martin has what appears to be a full Under Armour hoodie on underneath his uh, uniform here with now six fans inside Comerica Park for Royals and Tigers. Yeah. Early season baseball. Baseball's back, but not really if you look outside. Um Someone suggested here on our, what was the uh, the official name of the pecking order? Unwritten rules that we find annoying in everyday life. And somebody brought up a great one that neither you or I touched on in our list of a combined 16 items. 
the unwritten rule that a dental hygienist must create small talk and conversation with you and ask you questions while you have dental equipment in your mouth. Annoying, annoying, unwritten rule of uh, dental hygiene. <laughs> How about the unwritten rule that they must yell at you for gums that are bleeding because right. they stuck it with their little pick thing? <laughs> That's a thing, just right so there, they yes. can make it bleed. And yell at you. Yes. How long has it been since you were last here? Well, do you floss? Yeah, no, I do floss. I don't take a metal probe and stab my gums five times. They, they also threaten death if you don't get your wisdom teeth pulled. You should have your wisdom teeth out tomorrow. Well, I'm not going to do that. I don't want surgery. Well, it's going to kill your mouth eventually. Well, something else is going to kill me first, people. So you Wait, so you've never had your wisdom teeth out? I have them, and I'm not getting rid of them. And no matter how many times they tell me to have them out, I'm not having them taken out. Well, at this point, like, what can it... Your teeth are already fully grown in, right? So no, they aren't claim, you supposed to do it when you're younger? Well, they but they claim that because of the pressure, it's going to cause problems eventually with my front teeth. It's gonna They're going to pop out or something. I don't care. It's like the earthquake that's going to kill all of people in Los Angeles. Eventually, if you live there long enough, there's going to be an earthquake. It's going to fall into the Pacific Ocean. Okay, I'll take my chances. You want to lose your front teeth. You'll look like a hockey player then. You'll think you're cool. <laughs> I can hang out with Parisi in yeah. suits. Yeah, they'll, uh, Brent Burns especially, too. Yeah. He'll love you. Spurge? I can hang out with all the boys. Yeah, grow up the beard. You'll Oh, God, you'll fit right in. Dude, the wisdom teeth, not fun. You're uh, no, I have no interest. And it depends. If you get about, the dry sockets, I've or, heard about dry sockets. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna roll the dice. The worst part is if you you start to eat foods that aren't liquid form after a day or two or whatever, and you get like little crumbs or something. Oh, little, see, I'm not like a little that. little chunk of a chip down in that hole. <laughs> Dude, it's uh, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> not what you want. No, I know. That's why I told them I'm not getting them out, and they keep saying, "Well, you should have them out, or else it's going to cause real problems." No, in the you're, a, you're a sissy for not doing it. No, we're not saying that. Here's well, a like reference. you're avoiding it. Is it, is it because of the the pain that you're going to go through? You just want to avoid like the two well, or three I'm days of pain. N- nearly fifty. Yeah but, the, yeah, but your mouth still might live on oh, okay, for I get 20 that. years. I get that, but there's a fighting chance that I, I have them pulled out. I have them pulled out on a Tuesday, and I dropped dead of a heart attack on a Wednesday. Then it wasn't worth it. Are you taking the over on 20 for Judd? Well, I'm not saying I necessarily am. I'm just saying you're not even giving him 71. That's tough. I'm giving him 20 years. Royce he got 71, so yeah, that's not fair. Although, who knows? <laughs> Getting to 70 is not simple. Oh, it, I think the average life difficult. expectancy for men went down last year, didn't it? Yeah, I I'm just saying. At least you've got a you've got a puncher's chance. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I got a puncher's chance, but I'm going with my wisdom teeth.